Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know what happened next. To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Christina Wallace. And I'm Kate Scott Campbell. And you're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist. A podcast for human Venn diagrams. Coming at you every single Monday. And hosted by us. our first CNC episode of the year, and we have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. We cover a lot of ground, including the new technology behind a production of The Tempest at the Royal Shakespeare Company, mm-hmm. the awesomeness of the new Hidden Figures movie, Ooh. you're going to need to go see that, mm-hmm. and the legacy that the Obama administration leaves behind in both STEM and the arts. We also revisit personal balance scorecards, and we talk about why it's the perfect time for you to make one. And why it's also always the perfect time to have, I don't know, an impromptu dance party to celebrate even the tiniest accomplishments. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, a new lightning round for a new year. Not really new questions. We're just saying we do it again. And some surprising (laughs) answers to the question, what's your theme for 2017? Yes. What are we waiting for? Let's get started. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Hi, Christina. Hey, Kate. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. I I miss you. I got to see your face. How long ago was that? Two weeks ago? Uh, 10 days. Oh, 10 days. 10 days ago. I should know the days and the hourly count. I really should. (laughs) (laughs) Is it weird to just hear my voice again after having seen me in person for the first time in nine months? Well, it was weird to realize how long I hadn't seen your face. You know what I, I mean? That's true. I like, think that's true. Like when I saw you in person, like I was like, yeah, there there was definitely music inside my head that was celebratory. I was like Christina Wallace in the flesh. I don't think our listeners realize that we the last time we saw each other before we just saw each other mm-hmm. was in March. Mm-hmm. When we recorded episode one, one of the limit does not exist episode at Southwest. One, I know, and we have gone on such a journey first biweekly, and now weekly with each other. And I mm-hmm. think I, I, I just think I like picture your face when we record. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Was it weird for you to be like, oh, Kate? I haven't seen you in so long. It, it, it wasn't. For most, I was like, oh, right. Of course, she's wearing that sweater. I've seen that sweater <laughs> on Instagram, of course. But I was like, true. you know, dynamic skill set. I love that sweater on you. True. Thank yeah, it, you. It, it wasn't that weird for me. And I think that's weird that it wasn't that weird. I'm just like, we've, we've only actually met in person twice. Yeah. No, I think what I thought was weird was that it wasn't weird. I think if I really articulate it <laughs> succinctly and our, clearly. Our entire relationship is like over the phone, over Skype, mm-hmm. over email, occasional text messages, once in a while a Facebook comment. But like, this, yeah. is, this is like an old school pen pal relationship almost. Uh, I know. And that's one of the many, many things that I cherish about it, Christina. <laughs> if I had legible handwriting, I would actually send you letters in the mail, but I can't even read my own handwriting anymore. So, Well, I, I have read some of your handwriting because uh, I still have those little pieces of note paper from the Driscoll in Austin when we were first writing our little show outline amazing. together. I love that you've started the Limit Does Not Exist Museum. <laughs> I have. I have it like a, like a box. Like I used to have this Johnny Depp box in eighth grade when I was really obsessed with him when it was like cool before oh he'd God. done a lot of big franchise movies. You were out in LA to go to a really fancy wedding on New Year's Eve that you wore this red sparkle tie. Sparkle tie is such a fantastic, what are those called? Dress code. Yes. (laughs) Dress code. You came out and uh, I saw those pictures on Instagram. They were fantastic. Mm -hmm. Your updo was so well executed. You know, I practiced it. I, I honestly did. I like I called my stylist. I asked for tips. She sent pictures. There was there was a lot of effort involved, but I was very proud of it. It involved like twenty two bobby pins. Well, it looked effortless. So, oh well, thank kudos. you. It wasn't, but I, you know, it was a big step for me. I usually just do straight hair down, but I thought let's let's live a little. Well, and the dress babe. was like perfect for it because it was sort of off the shoulder and strappy and just so so pretty. Oh my gosh! You know, I read somewhere that the off the shoulder cold shoulder thing was the style for 2017 and i thought you know i'll give it a shot and then the golden globes yes prove that to, to be true shoulder thing, so that's right that's so true yeah. it really was a theme so uh we we found out you knew and then you told me that you were coming out for this wedding <laughs> and i think that collectively that, <laughs> that that is that's that's called conversations um but i think that we collectively decided like oh this would be a great opportunity to to, to capture some stuff 
and yeah. to take some photos, first of all. And then I was like, I think, well, Christina, I really, can we tack this video on? I sort of put my producer hat on and, and contacted this fantastic photographer, Robin Romer. It was my first time working with her, as was it yours. And she is not only a fantastic still photographer, but she just jumped in and was like, yeah, I can also capture video for you guys. So our visuals have uh, received a major uptick since our photo that we took by the trash dumpster in that <laughs> restaurant in Austin. So you I'm know, excited. For a photo by a trash dumpster, I would probably put this in the top 20. That's true. If you guys have seen a photo of us on Forbes, just if, if you were to uncrop that photo a little bit, you would see <laughs> that we are actually behind the scenes. Oh, Steve's holding up that photo. Yeah. Steve, if you yeah, like go to the... it's our picture on Twitter too. <laughs> it is our picture on Twitter. Yes. We, um, I think we might have, we might have shared this before, but but we were in Austin together, which is the last time in nine months that we had seen each other. And uh, we were like, ooh, let's see if we can grab a photographer and take a couple snaps. And that's what happened, mm-hmm. which was great. So this was a little bit more <laughs> planned <laughs> than that. And we have some really fun visuals that we're really excited to, to start sharing and rolling out. It'll be great. Exactly. So if you're and not some fun video on social media, yes. you can pick your platform. We're on that's Instagram, right. Facebook, Twitter, get on board because we've got some really fun stuff that's going to come out in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. And, you know, you want to be there from the ground up at Admiral Hopper. <laughs> By the way, we should also mention that each of us got to meet our the other's significant other. We did, <laughs> finally. We, we had a, a fun yes. little double date dinner where we, we got to, to meet the human Venn diagrams that we are both... <laughs> I would say dating, but now you're engaged. You're betrothed to My be betrothed. married to one. So. Yeah, we had a lovely dinner. We got rained on halfway through, but then we moved inside. Okay. And uh, I was told it doesn't rain in California. What was that about? You know what? It rained today. So California is, <laughs> you know, really showing that it is uh, it is a, a human Venn diagram all of its own. <laughs> Then afterwards, we had a really wonderful gathering of friends, including our matchmaker, Rachel Axler, and our fabulous, fabulous producer, Steve. And it was so fun because I realized that you had you had never seen Steve. So when I saw Steve <laughs> at the bar, I was like, Steve, let's like let's do something funny and see if Christina knows you. And then I was like, I have nothing up my sleeve. Hey, Christina, look who it is. <laughs> You're like, it's Steve. It, it was a last minute uh, impromptu, like, hey, let's see if we can get all of our L- Limit Does Not Exist listener fans slash like the friends that are available in the next 12 hours to come hang out with us. <laughs> and it, it was. And, and despite the rain, we had a wonderful, wonderful group. So thank you, everyone. Because it was yeah. indoors. See, it like was. rain doesn't have to <laughs> completely destroy plans, guys. <laughs> yes, but remember, remember when Adam Ward was telling us that Angelinos do canceled like movie plans for the rain that's true. <laughs> it's that's like true. the driving there is is too much um <laughs> so anyway well alas i got really sick the next day so i spent new year's eve oh, in no. bed i did i did but you know what i had just been going 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 and and also at the same time bragging about how i hadn't gotten sick in a while so i feel like i kind of, <laughs> I kind of brought, brought it on, on myself yourself. i think i did but it was really nice ross ordered chinese food and we literally sat in bed and pop pop 
shoppers. And we did this thing that we've now done two years in a row. Essentially, I think I saw it on some, just some article two years ago, the idea of um, just instead of setting resolutions, just put a jar out with a stack of papers next to it. And every time you do something that you feel good about, just write it down and put it in the jar. And it is proven to be really really satisfying. So now for the last two years on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, Ross and I have just like dumped the jar out on the table or this year on the bed since I was bedridden. Um, And then we just go through and we just like, we'll pick up a random slip of paper and it'll be from some month during the year and it'll be either mine or Ross's. And then we read it. And some of them, you know, I've, I've remembered and I've held on to because they're more significant, but others are, you know, small, but really meaningful things that were challenging at the time. And that I just felt at the moment that would be a nice thing to to celebrate. And it's just a really great way to look back and go like, oh, yeah, a, a lot happened this year, you know? Do you, do you <laughs> notice any themes in like, these are the types of moments that make me happy or these are the things that stick with me? Oh, that's a really good question. I haven't it was just as we were just sort of reading them. I haven't like gone back and sorted them and sort of put them in categories, but that would be a fun thing to do. Yeah. I would maybe do like a cluster analysis and then see if you can like distribute them on a two by two matrix and draw out some learning. Christina, this is, this is why I need you in my life because you regularly use phrases like, yeah, Q4 2018. And I'm like, Christina Wallace, (laughs) can I just rub your shoulder for a minute and get some of that? Um, Speaking of which, which we need to talk about your balanced scorecard, which is a gift to the world that you published oh, thank you. <laughs> before the yeah, end of the year. So, I mean, Speaking we, of we, like being really organized about yearly <laughs> things, let's go in the other direction from my hodgepodge jar of slips of paper. <laughs> well, so to we, this we awesome teased thing. this, yeah. Uh, like I don't even know how many CNC episodes ago. I think it was like episode sixteen. We talked about mm-hmm. the ways that we kind of keep track of of our growth. Sounds about right. Um, yeah. And I had mentioned the balance scorecard and then I like didn't write about it and I didn't write about it and I went to write about it and I was like, there's no way for me to like demonstrate what I mean without including some of my own personal goals in there. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I don't know how much I want this to be public and on the mm-hmm. internets, but like, whatever. I just, I put it out there. Well, you emailed me it, or you but... texted it to me and you were like, Kate, what do you think? You know, what do you think? Yeah. You're sort of, you tell like, me that you were sort of, yeah. And I am as, as soon as I read it, I was like, this is fantastic. You found this perfect balance, I feel, of transparency and also, you know, keeping the things that are really personal to you, personal to you. I thought it was so beautifully done. Thank you. So I put it out there on Christmas Eve and I was like, "Mm, no one's going to read it until like the second week of January, but at least it's up there in case someone's bored today. (laughs) And it had like 2000 views in the first 24 hours. I was like, that's, that's interesting. That's like the fastest anything of mine has been read. Uh, And it's now like my highest performing post on Forbes. So clearly it's been like excerpted and republished in a couple of like Spanish blogs, which I don't even know what they say. I just know that like they hit my Google alert. Uh, and I've been asked really to write cool. about it for Quartz um, to talk about, like, mm-hmm. how exactly did I develop this thing? Which is a fun story. I, I hadn't really thought about telling it. Um, and, and I won't. You'll have to read about it. But basically, <laughs> came down to, like, I, as you may have noticed, if you've listened to any of these episodes, I'm a little bit 
goal-oriented, like beyond <laughs> what might be termed healthy. And I realized a couple of years ago that like I had this addiction to achievement where I cared more about getting the goal than like, is this a goal I want? Is oh, this something that makes me happy? Do mm-hmm. I enjoy the process? Mm-hmm. Or do I just want to kind of rack up the goal for the vanity of saying I achieved this goal? Wow. And I, I had this realization that like I was achieving a lot of really cool goals, like running 13 half marathons in 2013 or trekking to Everest Base Camp by myself. Uh, but I wasn't necessarily like these weren't things that I I really cared a lot about. So I developed the balance scorecard as a way to start with the strategy, with the big strategic priorities of like what do I care about, and what are the big categories of things that I want to focus on, and why. Mm-hmm. And then use the why to actually talk through what are the tactics and the metrics that I can use the, you know, the what and the how to actually sink back to that why. And being very clear on like these have to be things that I have control over, that I can take action on, and that I can in some way like measure or account for the effort that I've put in. Yeah. And and that sort of clarity of like it's not just work out more, it's like two workouts a week and they have to be you know, 60 minutes each and one strength, one cardio or something like that, like being very specific Mm -hmm. um, so that it's very clear, you know, what you've achieved and what you haven't. And I sort of averaged, I think, like a B minus for uh, for 2016, which for someone who's goal addicted, that's like a really good, a really good thing. Like I failed at some of my goals and I'm actually a little proud of that. You're saying it's like it's better for you to get a B minus instead of like an A plus because exactly. it's yeah, it's showing that like, you know, you're finding maybe you're finding other things instead of just doing the goals or whatever. Well, well there's I, a, I a love couple that. in there that I even noted that I was like, mm-hmm. you set this goal, but you didn't ever take any action against it. Like, did you actually care about this goal? Was this something that mattered to you? Like you actually spent your time doing these other things instead. Mm-hmm. So was that the right goal for you? That's I what know. I love. That was one of my favorite parts about it is is that like by nature, it's very, um, like you said, it's very trackable, right? Like you can really quantify it. And so by nature, it's that way. But I loved, I love those notes areas where you do talk to yourself and you're like, hmm, or when you're like, well done, you know, like the gold stars that you give yourself, but also the things where it's like, yeah, why is this? And, and the inherent reflection that's in there, of course, for, have you found that that's helped you for this coming year from, for making yours for 2017? It has, because I was like, you kept this goal over from the previous year and you haven't achieved it in either year. So why do you set this goal and then not care enough to achieve it? And like, Mm -hmm. that's helped me be like, actually, I don't really care about this thing. What I care about is like the bigger picture that it folds up to. So maybe there's another way to back into it and something better to track that would mm-hmm. show me that same part of growth and an opportunity to like, you know, pursue that strategic priority. Well, here's a question uh, I have for you. Would you find mm-hmm. that like when you were sort of in this in this phase of being really goal oriented and just like sort of checking goals off your list for the sake of checking them off your list, like how would you mm-hmm. feel afterwards? Would you feel like some of the goals you're just like, okay, I did that now I've got to just go do, find another one or would you 100%. feel really accomplished? Really? Like, I never took the pleasure in like crossing the finish line. I literally finished my 13 half marathons in 2013 and the 13th was actually a full marathon. Because 
because my 13th half got canceled. And I was like, well, I have to hit my goal. So I ran a full Mm -hmm. marathon without ever having trained for it. And uh, I finished that. And I was like, okay, well, what races am I going to run in 2014? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it just Mm -hmm. sort of spiraled from there. And like at no point was I like, wow, you know, you cheated on the mile run in middle school gym class and didn't run a full mile until you were 23. That's a really big deal Mm. that you've now like done this thing. Do you want to celebrate that and like give yourself a little kudos? And I was like, no time to keep moving. Right. So I have to tell you that is truly, you know, as much as I say, it's just a jar on my counter. That is the thing that is the spirit of keeping that jar. There is just giving myself at least even if it's just writing down that I did something on a slip of paper, that mini act of celebration I found is so important to really build in celebrations because I have this thing that I do where when I accomplish something that has been really challenging and that is stretched, inevitably the next day, sometimes even the same day, I will feel this adrenaline drop where Mm -hmm. I just feel like really funky. And Mm -hmm. for the first time, this happened recently after I did something. And for the first time, I think in my life, I was able to go, oh, hello, you, you're the thing that always happens after I, (laughs) after I achieve something that's really stretched instead Mm -hmm. of going, Oh gosh, instead of letting it take over and being like, should I have done that thing? Did I mess up? Was it terrible? Whatever. So much so that like Ross has, a couple weeks ago, I had done something that that I was really proud of, but then inevitably afterwards, I was like second guessing myself. And Ross was like, I came home and he could tell that I was doing it. And he's like, what music do you want to dance to? I was like, oh, um, Jackson five. (laughs) So we just had a Jackson five dance party in our living room just for like a song to, to celebrate that and to shake me out of it. You know, that's amazing. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. So yes, so I'm so proud of you. And I have to tell you that I have been making my own balance scorecard totally inspired by you. And I'm not the only (gasps) person. Yeah, I I am working my way through it. And it's really exciting. Because every time I go on the Google Doc, there's like so many anonymous animals, the way Google um, (laughs) describes people who are on Google, anonymous squirrel, anonymous armadillo. So there's lots of people using it. And it's really cool to see that. Oh, so I I put this thing in our notes that you're probably like, Yeah, what? I was going to ask you. I was like, I don't even have a transition here because I have no context for it. But the notes say, uh, listeners at home, uh, Kate's graduate thesis, which as far as I know, you finished when you were in graduate school. So That's tell right. me more about this. That's right. Well, it's funny because right when I was leaving my apartment to come to the studio tonight, I was checking my email and I got this email that I didn't recognize. I thought it was spam. And it just was like your publication usage. And I clicked on it and it was this link to the UCSD library where my graduate thesis is. And and let me just... Um, qualify this by saying that like my graduate thesis is just an abstract. When you're an MFA and you're getting an acting uh, master's in particular, you don't actually, they didn't make us write like a long tome. They had to sort Mm -hmm. of write an abstract sort of summing up our time there. And then they analyzed all of our performances throughout the program. But I just had totally, so I had totally forgotten what I had written in this abstract. It's only about a page (laughs) long. But the name of it, Christina, is called Mm -hmm. The Other Side of complexity. And it's like all about how the feedback I got in grad school was, Kate, you need to find a way to be more simple. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I put one of the quotes that I, I put two quotes and that, cause we had to put a, a quote or two in the cover page. There's all these interesting rules that they make you follow. The first quote mm-hmm. is simplicity is the ultimate sophistication by Leonardo da Vinci. And then directly after that, I put, there are a thousand me's, which is my favorite Kate Blanchett <laughs> quote. Uh-huh. But I just thought it was so apropos to our show that e- even when I had, you know, was graduating from an incredibly specialized program, the theme of it that I wanted to write about was how I was, you know, finding all these complexities in my work. And I just thought it was one of those cool life moments where obviously we have a show about that now. And mm-hmm. looking back and seeing like at the time that I was really sort of struggling with that. And there's this qu- a third, if, if I can add a third quote into this anecdote, there's a quote in there by Oliver Wendell Holmes, who was a Supreme Court justice years and years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But the quote is, I would not give a fig for the simplicity on this side of complexity, but I would give my life for the simplicity on the other side of complexity. And I just love that quote, thinking about being human Venn diagrams and how, like, by by doing so many things by we we talked about this a little bit when we talked about procrastination what Adam Grant mm-hmm. says with that but by mm-hmm. allowing ourselves to go there to follow our curiosities to have multiple buckets for me that has eventually in in waves synthesized to find new simplicities and it was just this idea i hadn't thought about in a while that i thought would be kind of fun to throw into the mix and share well, I love this idea, but I'm I'm now more thinking, like, did you get a notification from the library because people are, like, <laughs> checking out your one-pager? Or, like... I don't know. What, what was this in relation to? I feel like it was just, like, a procedural thing. I'm not sure. Like, I Wait, think... You finished your grad <laughs> program, like, a couple of years ago. No, f- yeah. Five years ago. It was five years ago. <laughs> you think they have, like, an automatic email program yes. for five years after you graduate? I think they do. And it's going to be followed up with, like, a request to donate money? I mean, I hope that they're not, like, that if I read the fine print, it's not like, we're going to toss this, so if you want it. Because <laughs> we're cleaning well, out our shelves. Page, so <laughs> I bet you have space for it if you want it. Yeah, no. Well, Christina, I want to talk about this article that um, yes. I sent oh you earlier this, this week. This is the coolest thing that you found. <laughs> yes. I'm going to try to outdo myself in the next in the coming weeks but um, you know you don't have to set goals you can just you can just be Kate oh my gosh Christina you know what I'm I I really feel like you said that in a way that you've experienced that and learned it for yourself it was very powerful thank you not that I don't have to tell myself every morning as do I Um, but I need to remember to write that on a post-it put it on my bathroom mirror but anyway so yeah this article i mean when i opened this article i was like there yeah, there was no all, delay to anyone listening to this article <laughs> there's an autoplay video oh i just clicked mm-hmm. it through and i was hearing it and i was like oh my god and then i realized i have headphones in so you're okay um <laughs> autoplay video i hate autoplay video but if you're gonna click on the article which we hope you do uh in the show notes make sure your computer is on mute or you're in a place where people appreciate Shakespeare. Okay. Tell us what this article is. Another thing to tweet at us. If you have found a silver lining of autoplay video or can extol its benefits, tweet at us. Tell us. Let us know. Try to convince me on that one. So anyway, the the title of the article, it's a New York Times article. It's called, At This Tempest, Digital Wizardry Makes Rough Magic. First of all, props to whoever titled that. Great title. Yeah. 
snaps there. Um, but anyway, I didn't even have to think before I texted this to you. I hadn't even read it, but I was like, we're talking about this. And you're like, yes, obviously. Amazing. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's all about this production of The Tempest, uh, which I, I would say is one of Shakespeare's more fantastical plays that is using motion capture in live theater. It's really, really awesome. And in fact, Andy Serkis, who's the actor who worked as the body behind Gollum and King Kong, is an advisor to this production. And it's the character of Ariel, who is the um, the sprite, the spirit, some kind of Ariel yeah, is a sort works. of ethereal character in the play. The play happens on this island. There's a shipwreck where Prospero, who's a king, and his daughter get shipwrecked on this island. And all this sort of crazy magic goes down, or rough magic, as the article is titled. Um, and they're using motion capture in real time in the theater so that mm-hmm. when the actor who's playing Ariel comes out, you see the actor. He's not hes not like hidden behind a curtain or anything. That's the whole point is that you see him, you see him moving. You see he's even um, doing some really sort of calculated and rehearsed, planned out facial gestures. And there is this larger than life um, motion capture, capture effect that happens. So you see this just incredible technology during the play. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool. So the technology is super cool, and I am absolutely thrilled. Uh, There was one uh, quote at the very beginning where – or maybe it's a little bit later on. Anyway, there's a quote where he's like, think about what effects Shakespeare would have used if he were alive today, which is such an amazing um, mindset to have. Mm Mm-hmm for producing Shakespeare often or like, let's imagine what it was like in Elizabethan days. And you're like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But let's also imagine what he would have done today, given the resources we have. So that's super cool. Yes. But just as much as I love the technology, I love the story about how they actually got connected to Intel. I know. And how Intel helped them out on this. It, it is just absolutely inspirational. Kate, how did they get Intel's help on this production? Yeah, so um, it was the artistic director, Gregory Doran. He sort of reached out to this, his staff and said, again, as you just mentioned, what effects might Shakespeare have employed if he were alive today? And the company's director of digital development, it's 2016, mm-hmm. they have such an employee. Amazing, uh, at the company, Sarah Ellis. Royal Shakespeare Company, by the way, if we haven't mentioned that. Sent him a video of this augmented reality uh, leviathan that sort of appeared that it was swimming over an audience that Intel demonstrated um, at this giant consumer electronics trade show a couple years ago called International CES. And Gregory Doran looked at that and said, just knew he's like, that's it. That's what I want. And then some crazy luck ensued because uh, Sarah Ellis, who brought the video to him, didn't know anyone at Intel. So she wrote to the generic address that she found on the contact page on the company's website. Just the kind <laughs> that you think, if I send this, no one's going to get it, but it's, yeah. it's something. Um, yeah. But it was forwarded to Intel's uh, research director, uh, who had been a college theater minor. And she was Out like, yep. Out yeah. of nowhere. <laughs> Crazy, right? So, so cool. So, so cool. And and that Intel has been working on high visibility projects in entertainment, music, gaming, sports, trying to, you know, change the perceptions of its brand. And they were like, this, this is just, I think it sounds like both sides were just like, uh-huh, let's, let's try this and see what happens. <laughs> it's really, really I just, cool. it, you know, there's always, um, there's a great story that the Birchbox founders tell about how when they were first getting yes. started with Birchbox that they just like tried to guess the email addresses of 
of executives at beauty companies and I just cold that. emailed them. Uh-huh. And I love that story because like sometimes it can feel really overwhelming. You're like, but I don't know anybody at these places or mm-hmm. I don't have those connections or I'm I'm not from that world mm-hmm. and I can't network my way in. I live in a different city or I, I don't know how to even start. And like sometimes you can just write a cold email and sometimes you write 50 of them and 49 go unanswered and then one of them completely pans out. <laughs> and I think if you like want something and you can find a you know a nice way of writing it up in such a way that it's not just like what do you get out of it but Mm -hmm. you can frame it as like this is how this could be a really cool partnership for both of us or we both benefit from whatever this thing is that i'm proposing yeah i I would be hard pressed to ignore that email if it hit my inbox um or to not try to find a way to help you out even if i needed to connect you to someone else if i was not the right person you know what i mean like absolutely I i love this story that is just like you know what Find something cool to do and just Mm -hmm. ask people to show up and play. And more often than not, they will. Well, and I do think that that's when fate comes in, like the woman who who saw the email happened to have been a theater minor. You know, I think that that's not necessarily coincidental if you are really making cool connections and putting it out there and, you know, taking a risk and seeing if you can make some cool, cool magic with whatever you're doing. Well, it seems completely random. And yet, if you think about it, like if Intel is the type of company that's showing this really cool motion capture Leviathan thing at CES, then... And it's probably the type of company that will hire people who have interdisciplinary backgrounds, like, for instance, a theater minor. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not, it, it seems really random, but when you think about like company values and culture and the types of people that are attracted to work with, you know, other types of people similar to them, it doesn't actually surprise me that much, mm-hmm. especially as we've been talking about being human Venn diagrams, the more we talk about, you know, our crazy, quote unquote, interdisciplinary backgrounds, the more I meet people literally everywhere, <laughs> every plane, every Starbucks line where I start talking to someone, they're like, oh, right, I was a creative mm-hmm. writing minor, or mm-hmm. like, I totally, I took dance classes all the way through college, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, I, I really, really loved physics, but now I work in marketing, and you're like cool. I bet it informs your work in some way, even if you can't quite put your finger on it. It's so, so true. And, and it's really cool. I'm just, I'm excited to see where there, where this work goes. Obviously the article talks about other examples of this happening in the theater, but, but I love this quote from the artistic director of Royal Shakespeare Company at the end, where he says that, you know, theater has always embraced new technology, that we go with any new idea. We try to find out what it can do and what it can't do. You know, they're being really mindful of how can this enhance the story? And then he says, it's the words that excite you. The rest is just a way of letting people in. And it's mm. so cool because there's there's clearly this emphasis on, you know, I think the doubters of this kind of thing are going to say like, no, you've got to do what's on the page. The traditionalists, you know, just man mm-hmm. in the stage. And like you were saying, let's how was it done back then? But that exact point of view that you mentioned, Christina, at the top of the article discussion about what would Shakespeare have done, I think is just like such a, the right way to, to look at it, to look about bringing in, you know, what's happening now in the future. It's so cool. Right. And I, I have no knock on like originalist productions. I think they're fascinating yeah. to 
to understand what it was like to produce in the round with like, yep. you know, the tiered seating from the groundlings all the yes. way up and, mm-hmm. um, and what it was like to have men in dresses and how that plays into a lot of the gender bending that Shakespeare writes into the characters totally. and what that, you know, the double entendre there. Yep. I think it's fascinating to understand originalist approach to the productions. I think it's not the only way. Yep. Um, yeah, and certainly as we're trying to imagine what theater looks like and how we interact with it and how we experience it in the 21st century Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous to bury our heads in the sand and say no we can only do it in the way that it was done in elizabethan england like if we only did medicine the way that was done in elizabethan (laughs) england we would all be dead right now well especially thinking about when we talked with eugene chung of penrose vr Mm -hmm. and he was saying that one of their mantras is think theater that you know this whole new medium that's coming in is looking to the theater it's really Mm -hmm. cool to see sort of both ends looking at the other like that's that's how intersections happen as we know it's really cool like an escher drawing or something (laughs) this is neil strauss host of the tenderfoot tv true crime podcast to live and die in la i'm here to tell you about the new podcast i've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half it's called to die for here's a clip all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. 
I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist with Christina Wallace and Kate Scott Campbell. So speaking of art and technology, Christina, you have some really awesome stuff to share uh, about Obama. Uh, I do. We have just well, for a little okay, bit longer. So like for, for background, we yeah. both saw Hidden Figures this weekend. Yes, and, we did. You know, we're going to talk about it in a moment because it is amazing <laughs> and it is absolutely something that you all have to go see. But it was it made me think, uh, you know, I'm obviously getting a little nostalgic. By the time this episode comes out, it'll be the last couple of days of Obama's presidency. And you know, I got very nostalgic watching Hidden Figures and thinking about the role that the government plays in STEM research mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the entire the, – the moonshot, the um, – all of that that went into figuring out how to get us to space. Like, yes, it was so that we could get to space and we could beat the Russians and, you know, defense and all those things. But, like, so much technology – Bobak said this when we were touring JPL mm-hmm. – so much technology that it's created for the explicit purpose of, like, we 
have to figure out how to get this to space in a way that doesn't blow up or overheat or doesn't take up too much volume or writes, you know, you can write with a pen without gravity. <laughs> a lot of those technologies then turn into amazing breakthroughs that we use at home mm-hmm. in medicine, in food technology, in sort of all these things around us. Mm. And so, you know, the government's role in being able to both direct these moonshots and pour the resources behind them is like such a huge responsibility and like opportunity to really kind of encourage STEM, uh, you know, education and research and, uh, you know, uh, achievement um, and, you know, reflecting back on Obama's presidency. We talked about this a little bit in the Adam Ward episode, but just Mm -hmm. how much his administration has had this huge legacy in, uh, you know, creating the mandate behind CS for all, getting computer science into all 50 states, Mm -hmm. public school education over the next 10 years to ensure that everyone understands this language that is going to be how we interact with the world in Mm -hmm. the future. Mm -hmm. Looking at what he's done with tech and USDS and 18F, like Emily Barnes, the Presidential Innovation Fellows, and really thinking about technology and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of Americans don't think of technology infrastructure, like the same way you think of bridges and tunnels and railroads, but they Mm. are, especially today, they're just as important to our... You know, existence. I think they've just, you know, passed uh, Homeland Security passed a, a resolution saying that the voting machines are critical infrastructure, um, which is right. so true. So right, right. We tend to think of it as how, a sort of abstract thing. Technology is just sort of floating around. Oh, sure, ether. and it will always be there, and it will mm-hmm. always be safe, and that's just mm-hmm. not true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how they've opened up data sets and um, funded R and D, like the cancer moonshot with uh, Vice President Biden, and how. They had the White House Science Fair and Demo Day, like bringing that from, you know, the kids all the way up to the professionals, bringing Mm -hmm. it into the White House and making it clear this matters. And the effort they've put behind 100K and 10 and really making sure that we have teachers that are prepared and and have the experience, the training, the resources to bring STEM education into the classroom. It's Mm -hmm. been amazing. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. as I was thinking about that, I'm like, wait a second. But they've (laughs) also been, I know, I know. There's more. This also has <laughs> been wait, an administration that has been so supportive of the arts. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't even like if you think about Talk it. About the Hamilton origins of Hamilton. Started. <laughs> Hamilton. That's started right. Jinx. In 2009. 2009. The, the spoken word. The White House's uh, first ever evening of poetry, music, ever. and spoken word. Exactly. Right. Right when and I, Baby Lynn Manuel Miranda. You know, oh, I think we can still say that. Now Tony under his belt, <laughs> uh, but he oh. had that really short spiky haircut. Uh, but <laughs> why am I talking about his haircut? There's so much more to talk about. Anyway, but got up on stage and did that, the opening number of Hamilton, right? Mm-hmm. Which at the time was And Burr. everyone giggled. Everyone giggled. Oh, I've watched She's it like, many times. Yes. He's like, I'm going to rap about the Treasury Secretary and everyone like nervously giggled and they're like, uh, Every time I hear that, like I, <laughs> you know, as a performer, my heart goes up into my throat every time I see that because I just put myself in the shoes of hearing that and forging ahead and just saying, you know what? Stay with me, guys. Trust me on that. Mm-hmm. And trusting yourself mm-hmm. and your work enough in that 
very early vulnerable stage. It's so risky, you know? It is. But yes, it so is. Hamilton Origins, uh, when we were at <laughs> South by Southwest this year, which of course uh, blends a lot of things now, but uh, Obama and, and Michelle were the keynote speakers there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course went on to do South by South Lawn. Um, but yeah, there's that great uh, Vogue article that that you also sent to me, Christina, that talks a lot about his, his arts impact. Well, yeah, because they didn't just have famous people come perform in the White House. I mean, right. they did that too. Um, and really Truth. kind of covered all kinds of American art forms, jazz, country, modern dance, Broadway, all these things that are quintessential American forms of art, but they also put a huge stimulus. I think it was like $50 million of yeah. the 2009 stimulus went into arts education. Turn arts program, and, yeah. you know, a lot of these things are going to continue on in, you know, in schools, even past the administration being in Washington. So I've just, I wanted to give the shout out three days <laughs> to go uh, by the time this episode comes out um, to Obama and his eight years of, you know, really supporting um, both STEM and the arts and really understanding that neither of them are really important without the other. I mean, yeah, you really need both. As Sarah Jane said to us, you know, you, you've got to have an artist in every expedition <laughs> uh, and, so. and vice versa. You know, I remember the first, mm-hmm. remember the first film I ever shot. And I, I just remember waiting and watching the crew set up and watching the director of photography, get the framing right and watching the lights go in and watching the sound guy get all connected. And then with all of that in place, getting to jump in and, and act. And I just, it was so profound that, that mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh, there is so much technology wedded with artistry that happens here in order for this thing to exist. It's really, really oh, cool. Totally. I mean, the math behind like lighting oh my instruments I and know. lighting grids, I know. like it's insane to me mm-hmm. the amount of like physics and geometry mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. you know, science and technology that goes into so much of the technique mm-hmm. of creating art. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it really is astonishing to me that that anyone can possibly say that one is not connected to the other. <laughs> well, um, it's so true and and you and I this weekend got to watch a movie that had so much fantastic math inside of oh. it along with many other things, right? But Did you um, like secretly sigh and like hold yourself when she said Euler's formula cuz I, I did. Did I did Euler's formula which I when I first learned it in school of course called it Euler's formula because it's spelled E-U-L-E-R-S. Yeah, I did apostrophe too. Senior S. year, we, we had a whole so there was essay that nostalgia. on <laughs> My teacher was like, right. no, no. I mean, every time she just spit at, there's that fantastic scene, right, with the guy who was courting her where she says, like, this is what I do. And every time she oh, would just, yeah. Taraji P. Henson would just, you know, spit. I mean, honestly, it had me at hello, right? Because as soon <laughs> as the film starts, it's it's... The her character, Catherine Johnson, right? Counting, um, you know, naming shapes. And then you see her do this fantastic quadratic equation on the board. Oh my God. Factoring (laughs) out zeros. And it was such a great description. Uh, You know, I just loved it when she said, if zero is on one side of the equation, then something on the other side of the equation has to be zero zero. for the uh, thing to multiply it. You know, that's the the identity rule of multiplication. And I'm just like, this. Let's just do some polynomial factoring. (laughs) This just had me at hello. And so, yeah, it was just fantastic. And obviously, uh, the the three actresses in it are just 
were just so oh, fantastic. All, all of them. I mean, so astonishing. I have to tell you, I, I saw Janelle Monet perform for the first time a couple years ago at Coachella, and she blew me away as a performer and as an artist. I was seeing her, her perform her music, but just she is like her show womanship <laughs> was mm. unbelievable, just down to the aesthetic of her band and the way she just commanded the stage. And it was really cool to see her in in this in this way in this film i just well i just i i thought this was an astonishing film i mean obviously we were going to see it and love it because there's math involved and there are a little bit of a target more importantly there are women doing math involved (laughs) but it it really is just like a beautiful film Mm -hmm. regardless of like oh i have a thing for the subject matter um it's beautifully done i thought it was I've only read uh, selections of the book. I've now ordered the book. You know, it's based on a real book. Obviously, the the story is a true story. Um, didn't these, you mention you know, this these... book in our first episode with Bobak, or was that a different book? No, that was a different oh, one. That was The Rise it. of the Rocket Girls. Oh, right. This of course. Is, yep, of course. This is Hidden Figures, American... Uh, uh, untold mathematicians, uh-huh. Americans, untold mathematicians, and it, it was the the By story Marguerite of mm-hmm. um, these women who worked at uh, NASA Goddard in Virginia. Yep. I mm-hmm. think the Rocket Girls were NASA JPL. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's right. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and these were uh, white and you know African American women who were pulled into service of their country uh, because it was a war and then post-war in the, you know the space race mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you know it was like we need you so we'll overlook the, f- the fact that you're a woman or we'll overlook the fact that you're African American because mm-hmm. okay fine we, we actually do care about your brains in these moments mm-hmm. um, and I thought it was just it was heartbreaking at times when you had to see what, uh, what many of their characters had to go through simply by fact that they were they were black women um, in these groups and then you look at what the women had to put up with simply because of the fact that they were women mm-hmm. and it was sort of you're just like oh well, and, and it was really neat how it told these three these three journeys of not just mm-hmm. Traji P. Henson's character, Catherine G. Johnson, but of Octavia Spencer's character, Dorothy Vaughn, and Janelle Monet's character, Mary mm-hmm. Jackson. You know, the, bo- both of their trajectories as well were related, definitely. <laughs> you know, they're working at the same place, but but mm-hmm. their own unique set of challenges as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. It was really, I mean, really I cool. loved seeing uh, Ms. Vaughn becoming this <laughs> expert in Fortran and learning how to program the IBM, understanding that if your entire job is calculations and now there's a computer (sighs) that can do 24,000 per second, you probably should learn how to use it or you're going to be out of a job. And there's this great scene where she picked up the book from the library (laughs) uh, and I use picked up uh, loosely. Loosely. And, uh, And then, you know, goes back to the West Computing Group and says, okay, ladies, circle up. We have to learn how to write in Fortran um, because this is how the machine works and we need to know how to use it. And yep. I thought it was just, you know, a brilliant, obviously, but just such a great display of leadership. Yes. Um, and like, you know, similar to the Shakespeare article, like embracing the future, right? Yeah. It's like, if this is going to be the thing, then, then we're going to we be have ready to learn how it. to play nice. That's right. Uh, That's right. We're going to be ready for you it. Know, and then uh, Janelle Monae's character being the first uh, African-American female engineer. Uh, that, um, that monologue, in America. She, she gives us an incredible... <laughs> Yes, let's just all take a moment in America. So true. <laughs> that incredible speech she has when she is um, oh, in the talking courtroom. about in the courtroom. It, you know, it's just such a well-written speech about 
not only how important it is to have a first, but how important it is to support someone else in having a first for everybody involved, right? Absolutely. Um, just it, that was such a that was another favorite moment of mine too. I mean, there's so many favorite moments. It's just I mean, such I'm a clearly wonderful... going to have to go see it again this week, as we <laughs> encourage all of you to do. So here's the exciting thing, because you all know, or at least I'm assuming you all know, that like opening weekend box office matters so much, especially for films that Hollywood isn't entirely convinced are going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. And in this opening weekend, I went opening weekend. I tried to get everyone I knew to go opening weekend. <laughs> and it actually beat Rogue One by a million dollars this weekend. It was the number one film in America. And it was about three black female mathematicians. Can I get an amen? That like, is seriously. Amen. amen. That is incredible. I had not I read know. that statistic yet, Christina. That is so cool. I'm so happy that I went to the late show last night on a Sunday night, even though I knew I had to be up really early. I was like, <laughs> I am seeing this movie on opening weekend. I am going. Um, I'm so, so happy I did. I don't know if I shared this with you, but I was just going into a bookstore the other day, as I like to do when I get a little stressed out. Librarian's daughter here. It always makes me feel better to just... <laughs> walk around a bookstore and there's a bookstore among your friends Uh, totally totally all of my friends on all the pages in the books um but right in the front of the bookstore this great chevalier is this great independent bookstore in um larchmont in la right in the front of the bookstore was the science and math shelf that they had put right up in front and i was like the hidden figures effect i love it (laughs) like i think that particular bookshelf is is forward because this movie you know everywhere you go in LA there's there's billboards everywhere and I have to tell you this is embarrassing to admit but there's this poster that's in a lot of places of Taraji P. Henson just sort of staring confidently forward and it's kind of mm-hmm. like the Mona Lisa because her eyes follow you <laughs> wherever you go and every time I drive by it I just feel like she's like cheering me on like she's become my like unspoken just i don't know little little mentor in la to be like hey keep fighting the fight keep going well i mean she had the best line in the whole movie <laughs> which, which is... was when she was talking with her potential suitor said it's not because of our skirts that they let us do this work it's because of our glasses and I then she turns on a that. dime and walks off I That's was like, yes, snaps. snaps on that. <laughs> That's incredible. I know I, I loved that line so, so much. And uh, I mean, there's so much more we can say about it. We just uh, could go on. But we are at that time in the show where Steve holds up a piece of paper <laughs> <laughs> and cues that it might be a good time for the lightning round. The lightning round. round. <laughs> Now, we did not do a lightning round in our last CNC episode because instead we lightninged through our gift list for the holidays. We did. Um, but I, I always love doing a lightning round, Christina. It's always fun. I think it's to time. Both new sides year, of it. new lightning round. <laughs> That's right. I'm just going to jump in and ask okay. you the first question. Okay. And we can either switch off or do it all at once. It's I whatever, like it. whatever works. I, I trust that we can call it by ear, Kate. I think we have a good good sense of that by now. Um, Christina, what are you reading right now? So, uh, unsurprisingly, I've picked up many new books for the new year. <laughs> um, but one of them that I am really just 
very delighted by, except for the fact that it weighs so much because I buy real <laughs> books. Um, it's called The Age of Insight. It's this book by Eric Kandel, winner of the Nobel Prize, by the way. Um, and it's, it's called the subtitle, The Quest to Understand the Unconscious in Art, Mind and Brain from Vienna 1900 to the Present. Which feels a little overwhelming, and I have to be honest, it's like 600 pages uh, and very well annotated. But um, I I had to because among the reviews on the back, I mean, there are many of them. This is the book that Charles Darwin would have produced had he chosen to write about art and aesthetics. I mean, how do you pass that up? That's a really good logline. I love it. Right? Mm -hmm. There's one here in a polymathic performance. Oh, hello. Used as an adjective. Yep. A Nobel laureate weaves together the theories and practices of neuroscience, art, and psychology to show how our creative brains perceive and engage art and are consequently moved by it. I was like, well, now I have to read this book. That is fantastic. Now, are you going to carry that on the subway and just open it up? And I mean, it's the only time I really in. have to read, so I'm going to have to. But I got it. It weighs more than my computer. <laughs> it's like it's going to double the weight of my bag. I'm just putting it out there. If I end up in physical therapy because I'm carrying a 20 pound bag, it's because of Eric Candle, your book. Oh, that so. is fantastic. Anyway, Kate, what are you reading right now? Oh my gosh. Well, I- I'm going to s- I'm going to say what is being read to me because in Ooh, LA, I often books? get to read. Yes, as my dad calls it the University of the Highway. <laughs> <laughs> Audiobooks and I and I got this notification from Audible that I had like six downloads and I was like, "Oh, so let me just download a bunch oh, of books." Yeah. Okay. So I'm listening to a couple of things at once as I am want to do. Um the first one is an an old classic that I've never read, but it's been updated a lot, including this past year. It's David Allen's book, Getting Things Done. Um, ah, I figured, GTD. yeah, totally. I figured it would it was time for me to just listen to it, and you know, productivity is always the theme in my life. To see if I can pull some gems from it, so mm-hmm. I will report back and let you know. Um, I also have not begun, but I'm about to. I got Brian Cranston's autobiography, My Life in Parts. I'm really excited Ooh. about that, okay. uh, particularly to hear him read it. And Christina, I am several chapters in to Tiny Beautiful Things <gasps> by Cheryl Strayed. Thanks to Do your you great. Love it? it is so good. It's, it's so like good. therapy. It really is. And I've been thinking of you so much since you Aww. told me about it on the show and That's said that so it's something bad. that you return to. I'm just going to share a favorite quote from it. Um, mm-hmm. Since when we're in charge of the lightning round, we just really let it. Uh, <laughs> roll out here. Um, But there's this quote that I love that she said that is, let me see if I can remember it now, that trusting yourself is living out what you already know to be true. That is so beautiful. Oh my gosh. So So, thank you. Thank you for that. Really enjoying and about to enjoy all those. I'm so happy you're you're going to read that. (laughs) So Christina, we often have on the show, I think for the past two quarters, summer and fall, we've labeled our summers and we labeled our falls. And I don't know if either of us has officially done it, but I thought it'd be fun to ask, what would be a name for either your year or just Q1, Q1 of 2017. Yeah, so so since you posted this at the beginning of the episode, I've had time to think <laughs> on it. And We're cheaters, um, it's true. <laughs> and, and so I have two answers. I actually do think I have a, a theme for the whole year, mm. but then I also have a theme for Q1. So I'm going to give you Great. both. And Love we're gonna, it. We'll make it quick. Love so it. I think really looking at my last two years of balanced scorecards, I yeah. think my theme for 2017 is process. Oh, that's, By which I, I mean, that. 
I need to learn to love the now, mm -hmm. the process, the actual work of mm -hmm. whatever it is I'm doing mm -hmm. and not looking forward to the finish line, the, the goal, the outcome, the destination. Mm -hmm. Like I want to focus on like, am I happy today? Am yeah. I enjoying the work today? Knowing that at some point I will complete it, but like, is today okay? Mm -hmm. You know, is like mile mm -hmm. 17 making me happy. Happiness is uh, the way. I love it. That's, that's right. awesome. So, so like now slash process, I'll brand it better. It's I love 2017. it. I love Q1, it. Q1. Yeah. I am really focusing on, there's a, a, I think it's a Danish word for coziness. I can't pronounce it. It makes me think haggis. It starts with an H. There's a lot of G's involved. <laughs> But um, <laughs> it's a word about just like burrowing down for the winter, Ooh. wearing soft things, oh. snuggling with your favorite people, having candles, being like just like nice and nurturing and cozy and the, oh. cozy with an S, which makes it even cozier. Oh, I and love um, that. I've just decided like Q1 is going to be the quarter of coziness. That's gorgeous. I'm it's so like how I'm, cozy you know, self-care and all of that. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Kate, I love Kate, it. What's your, uh, what's your brand for the quarter or the, the season? Yeah. If you're more seasonal than quarterly, I think I'm going to just really do this in the moment and do a year in a Q1 like you did. I'd say my well, year. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm going to say that my year is the year of courage. And Ooh. at first I thought it was the year of ownership of really taking ownership of the projects I really wanted to do. But then I was thinking more about that. Like, well, what is that really about? And for me, that's, that's being courageous. There's a couple of, a couple of projects that I know are just in my heart and now they've just been in there for so long that they're just like yelling at me in my head, you know? And oh, well now it's time because well, you have voices. Yeah. Cause I have you. voices. So I'm officially one of, one of those, but no, but it's like, it's easy for me. It's less scary for me to do all the other stuff. And I just want to give myself a little courage this year to do the stuff that scares the hell out of me, but that I know I, like I want to do. Um, so I'd say that for the year. And then for Q1, you said my magic word, which is, um, uh, the, the quarter of, of self-care that I want to really like just start scheduling little self-care moments, uh, like I schedule work. And I just, I think I know that I'm just going to need those times, whether it's just an hour to, you know, like doodle on a piece of paper or go to a yoga class or take a walk or splurge on a facial or something. Um, I, you know, I think that relationship with myself is, is, is so important and it's often the first thing, thing to slide as well. So yeah, I love it. That's I love where I am. It. Great. Well, on that note, since we've talked big picture, Christina, mm -hmm. what's like a tiny little thing, like a tiny, you can tell I'm reading tiny, beautiful things. Uh, what's it, <laughs> what's like a tiny goal for 2017? If you were like, Oh, just like this thing that I kind of want to work on. So you're going to laugh at me, but it's, <laughs> it's been a, th <laughs> it's been a thing that's, um, that's been on my mind for a couple of years now. And I think it's the year to finally do something about it, <laughs> which is my hangers don't match. Oh, and no, I love this one. It bothers me. <laughs> and it's not that they're different yes. colors. I mean, they are different colors, but they're like, you know how they hang at different angles coming down from the neck of the hanger? And some of them are different heights. I and know some this are covered well. in like a fuzzy thing, and some are plastic, and some have the little hooks for the little straps on your dresses, and some don't. And it just. 
Ah, it's just, I really, I think it's the the year. So, you know, I'm moving in with, uh, with Chaz in a couple of months. And I Mm -hmm. think when we do the big move, I'm just going to buy new hangers. Christina, I bought a box or two of on Amazon of those Mm -hmm. velvety space saving hangers. Mm -hmm. And they Mm -hmm. not only have have been so positive in my life, but in my relationship, I totally, if you guys are going to be sharing a closet at all, mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how significant this tiny goal of yours is. It's great. I'm really oh, excited I'm by so it. I'm so glad to hear it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy that you even put this on the list. I never would have thought about tiny goals, but oh, I, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm like staring at my closet right now. I'm like, Oh, I just need to finish feel good. Uh, Kate, what's your tiny goal for 2017? My tiny goal is to keep my plants alive. That's my tiny Ooh. goal. It's not necessarily okay. the tiniest goal because I have a few plants now. There's a few outside of our apartment and then a few in. But I have these two jasmine plants that, that we planted and I sadly just sort of, they weren't blooming and I kind of just let them fade. And I just bought um, a couple of replacement plants that I think are going to do really well. And just that little act of a few times a week, uh, a few nights a week, just filling up a watering can and watering plants and giving them just like the two things they need, which is like water and a little bit of sunlight, is just, it's good for the soul. So I just want to just keep my plants happy. <laughs> I love fine. it. <laughs> Yeah. And finally, uh, mm-hmm. this is your idea. I love it. Shout out <laughs> for a woman. Christina, just <laughs> any woman. Who do you want to any shout out? At all. Any woman well, at all so- in any field, in any... Genre. I mean, I now understand the the struggle when we ask it of our guests. I know. It's you know we, we usually clarify it by a category, but it's the category they work in, and therefore the universe is like the full spectrum of all the women they work with, and they're like, I can't choose. <laughs> I so know. when we, we clarify, like, let's just shout out any woman that like a little d- love. deserves a shout out, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my lord, where do I start? <laughs> so... I want to give a shout out to one of my best friends and my roommate, Catherine Jennings. She is like, we've been, we were roommates freshman year of college. We've been, you know, great friends for, I don't even know how many years at this point. And she has been just this amazing kick butt middle school biology teacher for over a decade. Snapping. Uh, I know, just like rocking the teacher thing. Mm. She's just like best in class when it comes to science education and just like being a teacher and a role model in general. And she had a moment, I don't even know when exactly it clarified for her, but we started talking about it a year ago where she's like, you know, I love being a teacher and I love teaching middle school biology, but I've always secretly thought I would be a really great doctor. And like, what if I threw up everything in the air and at, you know, 33 went to medical school and became a doctor? Yes. And she just got into Columbia's (gasps) pre-med program. Oh my God. I know. She's got to do some like prereqs and then she's going to go to medical school and like Dr. Catherine Jennings, uh, future doctor right there. Just like, I love the bravery and the clarity of purpose and just the like, you know what? We're not dead yet. We're in our 30s. Oh, hell no. <laughs> we have She's so many lives ahead of us. It. And it's yep. not like she wasted, you know, decade as a teacher. Think about how many people that she's influenced and cared for. And think about what an amazing doctor she's going to be with that training of knowing how to oh listen and talk to oh. and communicate with, like, 12-year-olds. 
Yep. She's going to take that into her practice no matter what she does. So like I am just so inspired and so proud of my good friend, Catherine. Uh, and I hope that like we can share that little kernel of inspiration with all of you, uh, our listeners. Catherine, bravo. What a beautiful tribute. I am so inspired. Oh. I, I would watch Catherine's TV show if she was the right? star of a show. Oh, my goodness. No. Yeah. I, and I can't fun wait fact, she track. also is a modern dancer. Talk about a Venn diagram. Okay, uh, Catherine. We're, okay, we're going to have to have a conversation. Yes. Bring us home. Okay. What, give us your shout out. I'm going to shout out Ava Penner, who is my co-star in Tutored, uh, which I've talked about a couple of times on the show, but was my first student in LA who I tutored. And that was five years ago. Today, she turned 18. And I can't, can't believe it that she is officially a woman, according to society. Ava is 18, and she just found out that she got into Boston University early decision for theater. I'm so, so excited for her. She's headed off to college next year. Yeah, but she's just such a fantastic human who has been just so much wiser than me and in so many ways, so grounded. You know, when all the like crazy teen stuff is floating around her, she has had this incredible knack as I've watched her grow over the past five years to just like keep her feet on the ground and just know what's important. She's just an incredible young woman and just so exciting. It's just really exciting to see her, you know, go off and and see what she makes and see what she does. It's really, really cool. So I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such a great episode. It's so good to... Are we allowed to give ourselves props for the very episode that we're still in? <laughs> I say another hell yes to that. Absolutely. <laughs> we j- we talked, we kicked this off talking about celebrating, right? That's uh, true. So here, here. Here's a high five. <laughs> high five. I just kind of, I kind of high five the mic and Steve's like (laughs) looking very, no, okay. That's going to sound terrible. Sorry guys. (laughs) It's okay. It can't be any worse than our other attempts at high fives in real life. So (laughs) that's true. We've had some NASA scientist moments in the best way possible of some, (laughs) we did have a whole series of attempting to high five on camera (laughs) and I'll leave it at that. Awesome. We will catch you next week with another amazing guest. Yes. Enjoy the coziness, Christina. (laughs) Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. And I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. 
My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. 